Greetings and welcome. You're listening to the Genesis Podcast, the official podcast of the Genesis Community Church in Upland, California. It is our goal to inspire one another to change the world by effectively living in the way of Jesus. Check out our website, thegenesisstory.com. There, you can learn more about us, where and when we meet, ways to invest and support, but most importantly, how to get connected. Thank you for spending time with us today. Good morning. I'm glad you guys are here. Glad you guys are watching online. Uh, having a little bit of technical, uh, yeah, just experiences here. Um, Want to lift Gil up in prayer. He hurt his back and isn't feeling too well, and that's why we're having the technical problems. That's why I'm blurry. They say I have to move so that you can see me. So if you see Randy doing a lot of this, <laughs> that's what's happening here. Anyway, we're having a good time. Hope you guys are having a great day. Uh, again, we're going to get started. There is so much in our world taking place, it's hard to think about it. How many uh, innocent people have been hurt? How many more are going to be hurt because of what's happening, not just in uh, with Israel and Palestine? This has been going on in the Ukraine for a long time and other parts of the world that I think we just aren't aware of because it's not in front of us. We don't hear it, but when things are in front of us and we hear it, it's a little overwhelming. And, you know, we want to pray for peace. We want to uh, hope that the people who are leading nations care about people and not just agendas. Uh, And it's so hard sometimes to hold on to those things that are hopeful. Um, But God is one of the areas where hope still gives birth to life, and we do want to lean into that this morning. Uh, And so we're going to pause and we're going to pray. And and before we do that, again, we want to say thank you uh, for those of you who are subscribing to YouTube, who are watching us, who are supporting us financially. We are so grateful. We have not done church in a normal way, probably, since the pandemic started. I mean, we're here. You're welcome to come here and join us. But it's still not what it used to be. And frankly, I'm glad. I I like what's happened here. The conversations that happen afterwards are rich. And I think what church is supposed to be, uh, conversations and not just sermons. Uh, But because things have changed so much, I know a lot of people feel like, well, is church still happening? What's going on? We are still here, and we are still the body of Christ, and we want to collectively do good in the world around us because that's what our Lord has instructed us to do. So let's pause and let's pray, and then Brian's going to come up and lead us in some music, and then Randy's going to be sharing with us, and I'm looking forward to it this morning. Father, we are grateful for the blessings that we have. We are grateful for the the comforts that we enjoy. We're grateful for the family that is around us. We are grateful for the community that we participate in here and in other places. And Lord, we are also burdened with 
the tragedy that is happening around us all over the world and even the things that are happening close to us. The people we love who are suffering, the people who are on the streets, people who are struggling with illness, with addictions, with loneliness. Father, there is so much that it can be overwhelming. But we come to you because we know that you see and you care and you desire to do a work in each of our lives. You are still doing a new thing. We pray that you would do a new thing within our hearts as well as within this community and reaching out even into the world. Father, may we not give up hope. May we recognize your presence is still here, that Emmanuel, God, is still with us. And we are grateful for that. Bless this morning, we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everybody. It's been a week out there, huh? That song is perfect, and I, I love Trumbull, that song, and uh, <clears throat> kind of leaves off where I'm going to pick it up. There's a lot of darkness. There's a lot of darkness in our world this week, and uh, not just this week, but maybe especially, and if you've seen any uh, video coming out of the Middle East, you know there's enough darkness to break your heart several times over. And so this week, I have had this word on repeat in my head, and it's the word shalom. We'll talk about this a little bit more in a minute. But shalom, I read this definition or this description of it, and I, and I just loved it. It's, shalom is the breath, the depth, the climate, and the smell of the kingdom of God. It's more than peace. It's God's design. I used to have a cat named Ziggy Stardust. <laughs> Ziggy was a tuxedo cat, um, so he was all black with white paws and a little white under his neck. And I'm not a cat person. I never liked cats. Um, we have one now, and I tolerate her. But Ziggy was like the coolest of cats. Like he was like, when I came home from work, I'd pull up in my spot every day at six o'clock, my cat would be waiting there and he'd walk in the house with me. <laughs> he was a, he had access to inside and outside and he was like the neighborhood alpha cat. So he would go out, every time he heard a fight, he'd want to go outside and like handle it. It's my, it's my neighborhood, I got to go take care of my people. And one time when I was sitting on, the front porch of my house, um, there was a, a stray dog. And I think it was like a, a golden retriever or something. It looked really nice, really friendly dog. And it was coming up to me with a big smile and wagging his tail. And before he got within like two feet of me, Ziggy, my cat, came out from out of nowhere, stood between me and the dog and started slapping the dog in the face. <laughs> he was protecting me. And then he took off and the dog chased him and like, and it was the end. But um, yeah, Ziggy was my spirit animal. He was a fighter. He was my companion. He was my buddy cat. 
And one night, uh, very late, very, you know, late into the dark, dark hours, in my house, we had a dangerous intruder. I woke up to the sound of crunching coming from the kitchen, so my bedroom, and then the door was open, the kitchen was right, right around the corner, and I could hear crunching, and I thought to myself, man, Ziggy's really hungry right now. At 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm not used to this. And, and then, you know, I was like, okay. So I rolled, rolled a little bit over, and then I realized, oh, Ziggy's on my feet. <laughs> That's not him in the kitchen. And so I looked down at my feet, and I saw Ziggy, and he already was like looking whatever was in the kitchen. He could see it, and he was in attack position. He was ready to pounce. And I looked further, and I looked further, until I could finally see this black animal with a white stripe down its back in my kitchen eating Ziggy's food. And Ziggy was like, that's my food. And he's ready to get him. And I had to, you know, pull the cat in. And I didn't know what to do. So, like, you have a skunk in the, you don't really want this confrontation to take place. You don't really want that kind of confrontation. So I did what any red blooded American man would do, and I reached under my bed, and I pulled out my shotgun. Just kidding. <laughs> no, I didn't do that. <laughs> I, I grabbed, <laughs> Rick was excited for him. I grabbed, I grabbed Ziggy, and I pulled him up, and I cuddled, cuddled him. <laughs> because I knew if I didn't, like, calm his nerves, he was, there was going to be a confrontation that was going to be stinky. And the whole goal, I sat there thinking, what am I going to do? The whole goal is... I need to remove the skunk without the stink. I don't want him stinking up my kitchen because that would be god-awful. And a skunk in my kitchen at 2 a.m. And I'm standing there like, I, I, can, tell, I can feel Z calming down a little bit. I'm, I'm petting him. He's like, he's, go, he's, he's relaxing a little bit. But in my heart, I'm like, what's, <laughs> what's going to happen here? Uh, Every part of me wanted to have a different reaction than I did. But I just laid there until the skunk ran out of food. And then I could hear him scurry across my living room. I'm sorry, across my bedroom floor where I was lying. And out the sliding glass door that I guess I had left cracked. So he was able to get in and out of the sliding glass door. And he left. He left. In those moments when I was laying with Ziggy, holding him in the bed, like holding him tightly so that he would not try to attack, I had to stop. I had to strategize. I had to weigh the, the pros and cons and decide the best course of action. And the best course of action is always the one with the smallest amount of stink every time. Sometimes shalom means biting your tongue. Sometimes... Shalom means not posting that post that you really want to post. In Romans chapter 12, Paul urges believers to offer their bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. He encourages them not to conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of their mind. But as Paul continues, he details what that actually looks like. Loving sincerely, hating what is evil, being devoted to one another, honoring others above themselves, and being zealous and fervent in spirit. And that last bit, 
the bit that I'd like to highlight today, he advises on living peaceably with everyone and not repaying evil for evil. So tucked away in Romans chapter 12 is verse 18, this very simple sentence that Paul gives us to hold on to. He says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That's my phone, Sam. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) If you can, with all your strength, make shalom. And I want us to hear that, what Paul is saying. If you can, if it's up to you, if you have the strength to do it, make shalom with everyone. Shalom is a beautiful word, and its English counterpart, we often think of peace, and it's translated peace all throughout the Bible, all the way from Genesis to all the way through. It's, in English, we use the word peace. But that doesn't really, I mean, we could do, we could study shalom for weeks. Because we might just think of peace as the absence of war or the hippie greeting from the 60s. The absence of war is indeed part of shalom, but it's only a small part. I heard it described like this. Think of shalom as a circle. Complete, continuous, unbroken, whole. And every point along the circumference of the circle is in right relationship to the center. <laughs> and you are the center. And this shalom is the, is the ominous God's will for your life. It's God's design. If you imagine yourself in the center of that circle and all the relationships are proper around you. Imagine what that would mean in regards to your relationships with your friends, your family, your neighbors, your coworkers. Imagine what it would mean to be always in a proper or right relationship with them, with God, with yourself, with all of creation. I, I found it interesting that this word is used uh, I can't remember how many times, several times in Exodus 21 and 22. And the word shalom is used to mean make it right. It's talking about relationships. So if you've wronged somebody, make it right. Reconcile, restore. Those are the words that it means. And in Genesis, it's, re- it's translated as, as the idea of well-being or good health. That is all shalom. It's not just peace. It's reconciliation, it's restoration, it's whole and right and good. See, it's God's design and it's our call. Shalom is what you have when you're living out your true identity in the kingdom of God. My friend, his name is Greg, he used to pastor a church in Ventura, and now he's up in the Portland area. He's a, he's a great guy, and he is a zealot for 
always figuring out ways to bring people together around a common good. And when he was in Ventura, he was a young pastor, and he was he would uh, he literally would have these conversations with people outside the church, where he would go up to them and say, "You know, this is our church. This is what we do." And what would it look like if we came alongside you? And it might have been a small business, or it might have been a person. And in one case, it was a homeless person. And he said, well, what what would it look like if me and my friends came along you in your life? What would that look like for you? And the homeless man thought about it for a few minutes, and he said, I mean, it would be really great if I had clean clothes. He said, I think if I had clean clothes, people might treat me like a human being. Now, that's a small little thing that you can offer somebody. But Greg and his friends said, of course, we'll meet you at the laundromat on Tuesday night. And they helped him. They paid for the detergent, obviously. They brought their quarters, and they did his laundry. And we used to do something like that. As word spread, more and more people would bring their clothes. And the church would show up every Tuesday, and they would wash clothes for people. And as he started telling people about what was happening, other churches started doing the same thing, and other organizations started doing the same thing. And now today, Laundry Love is a thing that helps thousands of homeless people across the United States, hundreds of churches involved, churches and organizations. That small question that my friend Greg asked a homeless man one day turned into something. This is 20 years ago, still going. Turned into something that brings shalom, a little piece of shalom to a lot of people. My friend Greg is a shalom maker. And this is a small glimpse of what the kingdom of God looks like when we press into it, the world outside what it looks like when God's people make shalom. Sometimes shalom is a simple idea that helps other people. Today our world is quite literally lacking shalom. There are obvious conflicts in the Middle East. There are political conflicts in our country. But everywhere you look, there are cracks. There are families in conflict. There are spats among employees at your, at your office or your workplace. There is gossip about neighbors. So how do we bring a little piece of shalom where we are, where we live, where we stay? The answer is, I don't know. But I do have a challenge. It's three parts. I have this challenge because I need this for myself. <clears throat> kind of like Brian, when you said this morning, you're, like you felt like God showed up, right? You, you set some intentional time aside for that, and, and he came through. I think the first part of the challenge is we get alone with our thoughts, and we check in with our inner shalom. God's design, our calling. Breathe deep, be honest, Ask 
how is my soul doing? Is it weary? Is it tired? Is it burned out? Does it just feel like I can't do anything else? Man, I get it. So spend some time with the source. Renew your strength, the Bible says. Gird up your loins, right? That means get ready. There's stuff to do. There's, there's stuff that we need to be doing. God's design, our calling. Number two, ask yourself, what is something I can do to bring a little bit of shalom into somebody's life that's in my circle? And maybe you can't do that. Maybe all you can do right now is step one, and that's okay. But soon enough, step two will come knocking, and you'll be saying, what can I do? Because when you have, when you have food from the source, it turns into fruit in your life. So what can I do? What relationships can I restore? What person can I listen to? What person can I ask? What would it look like if I stepped into your life a little bit more? I want to remind us, I want to remind myself and I want to remind you that your best days are still ahead of you. Where in your life can you make it right? Number three, pray for shalom in the Middle East. Like Sam said, pray, pray for their well-being, absolutely. Their, the whole area. Pray for the inner peace of the leaders on both sides. Pray for the safety of innocent people on all sides. I read verse 18 from Romans chapter 12, but I want to read the whole in context, if you will, starting in verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice practice hospitality. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, for leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be... Uh, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. There's a lot going on in the world. When it seems hopeless, hang on. When the dark looms large, don't cave. When it seems like there is nothing you can do about the biggest problems in the world, make shalom where you are. Build the kingdom. Show how good God really is. A few small stories 
of the way Shalom presents itself. I wanted to tell you this story I read. Jamie Boylan, remembering the time when her parents got divorced and when she went to live with her mom and dad was not there anymore, she remembers that money was tight. Yeah, there was child support coming in, but it was barely enough and food was scarce. But it was only scarce for a few days because she said on the third day in the morning when they opened the door, they found a small box of food and it was enough for that day. The next day, there was another small box of food. And the next day again. And for four months, somebody was delivering enough food for that family to eat every single day. As an adult now, she's looking back at this, and she said, we never did know who did it. They didn't have ring doorbells back in those days, right? We never knew who that angel was, she said. But that's somebody bringing shalom to that family. I read another story. Leslie Wagner, she said, she talked about this most embarrassing moment for her was going to the grocery store. Maybe you guys can relate to this. Going to the grocery store, putting the groceries on the conveyor, the clerk rings everything up, and she's $12 short. She doesn't have the money. Long line behind her. She's really embarrassed. She starts pick, picking food out of, out of her bag and saying, I can't get this, and I can't get this. And Suddenly, somebody from behind her said, go for it. Just put it back in the bag, ma'am. I got you. I got you. And she was like, no, no, sir. I don't want to put you out. I can't do this to you. And he said, no. He said, no, listen. My mom's in the, in the hospital, and she has cancer. And every day for the last two weeks, I've been bringing her a bouquet of flowers to her room. But yesterday, my mom said, stop bringing me flowers. Go do something useful with that money. And he said, this is my mom's flowers for you. (laughs) He paid for her, you know, whatever, $12 of groceries. But she remembered that story enough to write it down because he brought shalom to her that day. Sometimes shalom is small acts of kindness. We're putting goodness back into the world that needs goodness. I'm going to finish with this. Matthew 5, chapter 9. I'm sorry, chapter 5, verse 9. Sorry, Rick, didn't mean to scare you there. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And I know you know that verse. Blessed are the peacemakers, literally shalom makers. For they shall be called sons of God. What I want to say about this verse is that doesn't mean if you do something good, then you're going to heaven. That's just not what it means. What it means is when you put good, when you build shalom into the world, when you put shalom out there, You look just like your father. His design, our calling. Amen? Blessed are the shalom builders, for they look just like their dad. Father, thank you for this time. We know that we live in 
crazy times. We know that we live in a time where there is a lot of selfishness. There is a lot of uh, naive realism. There is a lot of uh, everybody thinking that they're right and nobody is right. And so we pray, Father, that we would at least see a glimpse in our world of shalom. And we ask for your guidance, Holy Spirit, as we try to do something good, put something good into the world, even in small ways, so that it goes up, so that it spreads, so somebody can see that there is something good in this dark world and it belongs to you. We ask that. We ask for your guidance, and we ask that you would light a fire under our feet to be shalom builders. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you for being here. I pray that as we go out and we see the way things are. We are looking for places where we can show the goodness of God through the kingdom of God, through acts of shalom. And Lord, I pray that you open our eyes to those opportunities. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to the official podcast of Genesis Community Church in Upland, California. If you've been encouraged, found hope, been challenged by what you've heard, we'd like to ask you to help spread the word by sharing our podcast with your friends and family. You can also help support our podcast by visiting us at thegenesisstory.com. It has been our pleasure to have you join us today, and we hope you'll tune in again next week.